0: Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, life coach and psychotherapist, and today's episode is in loving memory of Thich Nhat Hanh. Thich Han has been a favorite teacher of mine for the last 15 years. He's published over 100 books. He's been a prolific writer. If you're a longtime listener, I've shared him with you in so many indirect ways without mentioning him because he's in my soul. He's part of my spirit. He died last month on January 22nd, 2022, and I want to honor his life with an episode dedicated to him. He's written on these topics and many, many more on mindfulness, peace, love, anger, fear, the art of living, silence, death, happiness, home, the energy of prayer, presence, the earth, and the inner child. I certainly haven't read them all. My favorite is a book called Reconciliation Healing the Inner Child. It's definitely on our book list that's available on Patreon if you're a Patreon member. Thich Nhat Hanh was a Vietnamese Buddhist monk. He was a peace activist, prolific author, as I've said, a poet, a teacher, and founder of Plum Village Tradition. And this is the main inspiration for what we call engaged Buddhism. He is known as the father of mindfulness. In my own healing, it was important to let go of my toxic parents and build my own life. I've healed the grief and the pain of going no contact by using many mind-body techniques and healers and different ways of self-soothing, releasing, and coping. But one of the most healing ideas I've carried and held for myself and others is that the universe bears us to two parents— and yet the universe offers many parents over the course of our lifetime if we just allow it tick not han who i've never had the honor to meet in person is one of those parents for me and i know that might sound woo woo or hokey to some of you you're hearing me get emotional but we are tribal we are biologically wired to need people to need connection and it's not just the physical connection of touch that we need. We need to feel connected to the human tribe. Tik Nhat Hanh and his works have held me at some of the lowest moments of my life. I love him. So here are some quotes from one of my spiritual fathers from the book Reconciliation Healing the Inner Child. This episode is my goodbye me moving through my grief, and my gratitude. Here we go. Thich Nhat Hanh says, The reality is that we are safe and we have the capacity to enjoy the wonders of life in the present moment. When we recognize that our suffering is based on images instead of current reality, then living happily in the present moment becomes possible right away. You can use this very moment right now to understand his wisdom. Right now in this very moment, if you're listening to my voice, listening to emotional badass, you're probably safe. You're clothed. You're fed. You can have a drink of water if you need hydration. In this very moment, things are okay the more that we realize that and allow ourselves to be in the okayness of this present moment instead of the old imagery of trauma, of struggle, of heartache, of betrayal, the more we honor thriving, the more we honor this life, and the more we heal our nervous system to allow it to process the present moment instead of the past. Here's another quote. Without suffering, there cannot be happiness. Without mud, there cannot be any lotus flowers. At a point in my own healing and development and in working with others who have given their all to heal severe childhood trauma, at a point I often ask, now, if you could, would you go back and change what happened to you? And almost universally, what survivors who have walked through their pain to get to the other side say is no, they wouldn't change anything. And that's true for me. Even the worst of it, I wouldn't go back and change it. The pain forced a growth on me that I wouldn't have chosen otherwise. It's grown my awareness, and I wouldn't give any of that growth or that awareness That permission to just be in the present moment, I wouldn't give that up. I'd never wish the things that I've survived on anyone. And I wouldn't relive my own past for anything. But now that I'm through to the other side, I am at peace. I like who I am. I like how I've grown. Every experience and moment is a rich teacher. And pain is one of our strongest teachers. To all of you out there who are truly dealing, leaning in to learn how to cope, to learn what it is to move through, those of you who are getting through to the other side right now, I see you, and I see you blooming just like the lotus flower. Here's another quote from Thich Nhat Hanh. Sometimes our parents are full of love, and sometimes they are full of anger. This love and anger comes not only from them, but from all previous generations. When we can see this, we no longer blame our parents for our suffering. There is a time and a space to get angry Sometimes it's our anger that gives us permission to have some of our very first boundaries or our first attempts at self-respect and self-regard. But when we're healing, we don't stay in anger. And as we move through our process, what we come to understand is that we are and our parents are the products of so many generational teachings and feelings and doings. That the person that might be in front of us in any given moment is not only themselves, but is this full expression of their ancestors and ours. This is a way that we learn how to not take things personally, even the most personal of relationships like parent to child. When we can look at our parents and see them for the person that they are, instead of the hurt that they handed us, We help ourselves heal, we help ourselves release pain and we grow in not taking even the most personal things personally. There is a freedom in allowing ourselves to be a flawed human being doing the best we can even at our worst moments and giving grace to our parents who have hurt us and the ways that they have failed us for this is the human condition. None of us, even with the best of parents, even with the most highly evolved parents, none of us gets everything that we need from our parent. And that is as it should be. For then we can go forth and live our lives, giving ourselves what we need now, walking ourselves through our one precious life. I'll read it again. Sometimes our parents are full of love and sometimes they are full of anger. This love and anger comes not only from them, but from all previous generations. When we can see this, we no longer blame our parents for our suffering. There is a time where we let go of our blame and our shame and our anger, and we see with more clarity, and this brings us peace. Here's another quote. Even if we have time, we don't come home to ourselves. We try to keep ourselves constantly entertained, watching television, socializing, or using alcohol or drugs, because we don't want to experience that suffering all over again. A lot of the work that I do is about helping people understand the value of coming home to ourselves, and that means getting still and getting quiet. So much of our modern life is about rejecting stillness or quietness, because when we get still and quiet, we're aware of our pain, aware of our neglect, and we're aware of our radical personal responsibility, that there are no white nights, and that it is our responsibility to walk ourselves through. We can't walk through if we avoid by staying busy. That is why so many of us stay so busy. The only way through is through. We can move through now or we can move through later. Or we invite a lifetime of never stillness, of never quiet, of never quite getting to the other side of that constant chaos and unsettledness that resides inside of us. There's peace available. We can learn how to be still. Here's another quote from my spiritual father, Thich Nhat Hanh. One day, my left hand was holding a nail and my right hand a hammer. I was trying to hang a picture, and I was not very mindful. Instead of pounding on the nail, I pounded on the finger. Right away, my right hand put the hammer down and took care of my left hand as if she were taking care of herself those of us who come from unsafe parenting this is how we reparent ourselves those of us with unsafe siblings unsafe family members unsafe cousins unsafe neighbors it is our task to hold ourselves and teach ourselves a certain amount of safety of soothing of holding a lot of people cringe at the mention of inner child work They see it as hokey, as ridiculous. It feels weird to deny yourself, to stay so busy you never notice the inner child or learn how to tend to her or him. If we come from family systems that didn't really know how to tend to a child, then it's natural to not tend to ourselves and feels strange and unnatural to start tending to ourselves. This is the flip-flop of trauma, of neglect. And healing, we flip-flop it back. It is as natural to do inner child work as it is to drop that hammer and soothe the other hand with that hand. Inner child work is merely the acknowledgement that our inner psyche gets stuck when it doesn't get what it needs. That's why so many of us go little girl or little boy in the face of authority figure. We need not feel awkward about tending to ourselves the way we would tend to a hurt hand. When I talk about the wise woman or the wise man tending to our inner child, it is simply one hand taking care of the other. It is one part of our psyche stepping up to take care of the other. Here's another quote. When you climb a beautiful mountain, invite your child within to climb with you when you contemplate the sunset invite her to enjoy it with you many of you ask me how how do I heal how do I learn to just be with myself how do I do this stillness thing when I've been fast 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 go 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 for all the years of my life how do I slow down how do I reparent how do I banish the inner critic How do I live differently? It's so simple. It boggles our mind. We think it must be more complicated. And that's just the chaos, the difficulty of the world seeping in. It's not so. Simply, we learn to take ourselves with ourselves. If I'm tending to my inner psyche, if I'm soothing myself, if I'm radically owning my self-care, then I can take myself with me. I can be with myself. It's a practice to learn how to be with yourself. All that's required is a desire to practice being with yourself as you wished a safe adult would have been with you when you were younger. Just being is our birthright. The chaos, the dysfunction of the world can rob us of what's natural to come back to what is natural, is healing. I'm going to read this one again. When you climb a beautiful mountain, invite your child within to climb with you. When you contemplate the sunset, invite her to enjoy it with you. What if this part of healing could be so radically simple? Will you allow that for yourself? Here's another Thich Nhat Hanh quote from Reconciliation, Healing the Inner Child. If you know how to go back to her and listen carefully every day for five or ten minutes, healing will take place. Don't let the perfectionist project manage your healing work. Persistence and commitment without perfectionism is the balancing act we're going for. All of the things that we do to balance help us balance in all the ways. When we eat a healthy meal, we feel more balanced internally. Our digestion can do its thing without taxing itself. When we practice tree pose in yoga or any of the balancing poses in yoga, we're balancing with our body and that helps our mind balance. So when we balance the physical body, we balance the mind. When we balance the mind, we balance the physical body. Our physical body, our mental body, our physical self, our mental self relates. The breath is the bridge between mind and body. When we take a deep breath, we are inviting balance for mind and body. We don't have to be constantly mindful. We don't have to talk to our inner child all the minutes that we are awake of the day. We find a persistence and a commitment to keep coming back to our inner child just a few minutes every day. Just an acknowledgement. This is a way to say, I see you. I value you. You're important to me. I tend to you. It is right to have me tend to you. You are worthy. Of being tended to I love you in word and I love you in action this is how we show up for ourselves in healing if we want to reconcile with our family or with friends who have hurt us we have to take care of ourselves first if we're not capable of listening to ourselves how can we listen to another person if we don't know how to recognize our own suffering It won't be possible to bring peace and harmony into our relationships. So many of you out there listening lean codependent. This is a way of moving through the world that puts other people's feelings, desires, and needs above our own. Many of us have been taught, and because we're smart, we learned it quickly and we learned it well, that to have people around me I can swallow my voice, swallow my words, swallow my needs, and give and tend to everybody else. It's a surefire way to keep people around me. It's also a surefire way to feel depressed and empty and lonely while surrounded by people. For us to truly reconcile with ourselves and then our family or friends, we have to take care of ourselves first. In healing this is often met with the inner judgment that we are being selfish. And yes, in healing, we give ourselves permission to be ish about the self. If I'm not gonna be ish about myself, who the hell else is gonna be ish about me? When we are selfish in such a way, this is our best bet to be able to come and reconcile the relationships that we value that we hold dear. If we are to have a chance to do this, we We must go deep and tend to ourselves. I often wish that breaks separation periods were more normalized within all relationships, not just marriages. I'm not advocating for permission to be avoidant with our struggles. Rather, I'm advocating for permission to quiet the self and to learn to listen inwardly. To take care of myself. In all the ways that I needed to learn how to take care of myself coming from an abusive and neglectful childhood. At a point I realized I couldn't keep letting my body be triggered by my family dynamic. I had to go away to be able to ground and center myself. I never wanted to go away. I got to a place where I had to go away to take care of myself. A big part of why I do the show is to share that because it's so contrary to the messages that we hear about family and around family, that blood is thicker than water, that we should always stick with family.
1: Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about pivotal moments in history? If so, then try my new podcast, Calm History. It's a time machine of tranquility Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to CalmHistory.com. In
0: inadequate families, there is room to repair. In families with truly toxic dynamics, there often is no room to repair. And only room to re-traumatize because toxic is toxic. It's part of why I work so hard to separate and not always use the word toxic and really identify the difference between inadequacy and toxicity when we relate to people. A very hard truth is that my family members will probably never, ever acknowledge, accept or realize that I separated myself in an attempt to be able to come back together one day. I had to do that for myself. Only from that place of being grounded and having calmed my nervous system could I then make the decisions that I needed to about maybe trying to reconcile, about maybe taking more space and being able to walk towards and walk away in ways that were reasonable and smart and self-respecting for me. Here's another quote. Go back and take care of yourself. Your body needs you. Your perceptions need you. Your feelings need you. The wounded child in you needs you. Your suffering needs you to acknowledge it. I am a radical personal responsibility practitioner. I have two interviews coming up that may be hard for a lot of you to hear. They go against some common comfy narratives and societal beliefs that have developed because the deeper truths aren't as comfy as you listen to these upcoming interviews and as you walk through the world know that there is information in your feelings and reactions and that tending to them through wisdom instead of old patterns like rage anger dismissiveness the ego's attempts to shame whatever makes it uncomfortable and whatever challenges earlier made beliefs old patterns of shutdown or avoidance these moments are opportunities to learn from the discomfort, to get curious instead of shutting down. Sometimes we learn it is safe to sit with challenge or difference. Sometimes we learn that there is nothing to defend when others share their beliefs or ideas that are different than our own. We can just listen. Sometimes we learn that self-care is less about fixing the issues at hand And more about sitting through the wave of emotions without reacting. We can learn that we can respond after that wave crests, breaks, and subsides. I have a few more quotes for you. If you can see your mother as a fragile five-year-old girl, then you can forgive her very easily with compassion. The five-year-old girl who was your mother is always alive in her and in you. Compassion can scare us when it comes to toxic people because the inner child fears that compassion means lack of boundaries. I assure you that we can have compassion and boundaries. I have compassion for my mother who I believe is a sociopath. She didn't walk till she was six years old. She was born with a birth defect in her hip. She was the youngest child of six. And I think rather lost. My grandfather admitted to me on his actual deathbed. This was the only time anyone talked to me about my mother. And he admitted that she had been different since birth. Cold, distant. I will never know if she was born this way. Or if being born with a physical disability in the early 60s meant that she was hospitalized and untouched like our stereotypical, whether that's fair or unfair, but it's a stereotypical idea we have here in America that children raised elsewhere in foreign orphanages. They often experience much emotional dysregulation and inability to self-soothe, lower empathy for others, sometimes oppositional defiant attitudes and behaviors and power struggles because they were under as infants. Even if I knew the answer to this question, it would not change my boundaries. Toxic is toxic. No amount of understanding will change that toxicity for me. Each of us is tasked with figuring out what boundaries we need. I do help many people make peace and inroads with inadequate family members. I encourage survivors to be radically real with themselves. We can evaluate the difference between toxic and inadequate with the people in our worlds. And we can evaluate what your nervous system really needs versus what you want your nervous system to be able to do around a toxic or inadequate person right now. If you come from a family that has an inadequate members that you're taking a break from, know that you can add tools to your emotional tool belt. You can add coping and inner soothing This is important so that you don't re-traumatize yourself and try to go two steps forward while you're situationally going two steps back, which makes someone feel like they're spinning their wheels despite all their efforts, and that feels desperate and depressing. As we heal, we can have appropriate compassion for ourselves and for the people that have failed us, hurt us, or abused us. Compassion does not mean a lack of boundaries compassion with boundaries will help you feel safe within yourself. Thich Nhat Han says fear is based on ignorance. Lack of understanding is also a primary cause of anger. I wanted to do a podcast originally, in large part to reduce stigma and fear. Growing past, our struggles is scary. We're changing. We're letting go of what no longer serves us. We don't know who we're going to be as we grow. It's a very big unknown to lean into and to invite. But living with our struggles forever is even scarier than meeting ourselves in the newness of our growth. I was ragefully angry in my early healing at every dot I connected. I felt so desperate and the people I was seeking help from would tell me things like, Nikki, you have the answers within, when I felt absolutely discombobulated. It made me furious that they weren't helping me connect the dots as quickly as I seemed to be able to do for other people. But this anger and frustration has helped me. It's helped me find my voice. It's helped me find a way to help others over this microphone connect the dots that have freed me. And that I believe frees so many of us from our pain. I hope emotional badass and everything that I do that you lean into helps you let go of fear a little bit by little bit by little bit and helps you let go of anger bit by bit by bit. Your life is about so much more than fear and anger. And if that's what you've primarily felt your whole life, fear and anger or fear of feeling or accessing your anger, then you've probably had an accompanying constant and deep existential anxiety that comes from internalized and overwhelming fear and anger. If this is where you are right now, hang tight. Keep learning and growing and going forward. It really does get better. It gets lighter It gets easier. Yes, it does. Even though being alive may never be easy, it does get easier. And you are worth it. You're worth it in the moments when you feel it and connect to your worth, and you are worth it in the moments when you don't. You are worth it. When we pay attention to our breathing, our in breath and out breath becomes peaceful and relaxed. When we walk with attention, When we walk without thinking or being carried away by anything, we already begin to heal. To the overthinkers, I'll say it again. When we pay attention to our breathing, our in-breath and our out-breath become peaceful and relaxed. When we walk with attention and we just walk without thinking or being carried away by anything, we already begin to heal. Just being is a birthright. It's not really about learning how. It's about peeling back the human layers that make us forget how to be in our birthright of just being. We're human beings after all, not human doings. Learning to be is coming home to ourselves. And the breath is the bridge between our mind and body as we come home. Take a breath with me right now and come home just a little bit. Come home for you. Come home for your inner child. Do you feel that? What if you gave yourself that moment of being home and then you did it again and again and again over the course of a life until you know how to be at home with yourself like you know your first name? If you know how to suffer, suffering is okay. And the moment you have that attitude, you don't suffer much anymore. And out of suffering, a lotus flower of happiness can open. As an American, I believe we've really been brainwashed. And beyond our American borders, for sure. But we have been brainwashed in many ways for many decades to believe that we shouldn't suffer at all. That we shouldn't feel discomfort. That discomfort is wrong and something to correct. We've made lots of decisions out of this subconscious belief. This is why we've let children win all games to avoid the uncomfortable momentary suffering of losing, but suffering is part of being alive and we're stronger when we practice it. We're stronger when we see ourselves overcome and this is not getting taught rather the opposite. We're being taught that we should be made to be and feel safe constantly. And it's such a seductive message for our ego. And politics has hijacked this seductive message that we should constantly feel safe. The safest space you can be in is the one you cultivate inside of yourself. We see people demanding safe spaces everywhere. Demanding a right to safe space externally. It sounds so good on paper, And to the ego, it sounds so righteous when righteousness is the ego's drug of choice. My challenge to myself, to you listening, to all of us, is that we can notice how we make ourselves suffer with criticism, with perfectionism, with people pleasing, with swallowing our own opinions, our ideas, by holding impossible expectations of others. When we attend to this internal suffering, We participate in cultivating the safe space within. And that's really all that we have control over. And it will never be perfectly safe in there. And this is just like life. When we cultivate a healing relationship with our own inner child, we form a healthy trust. My inner child doesn't need the world to be safe. She needs me committed to helping her move through it. Maybe the safest we can be is in our self-support. And from that cultivation of real internal self-support, we start to know what support looks and feels like with and from other people. And then and only then do I see people gravitate towards others who know how to truly be supportive. We will never have a suffering-free world This is why the Buddhists teach about suffering and detachment. They accept suffering in a way that we as Americans haven't been taught to since birth. So we fight suffering and add a layer of struggle that we don't really need. As we cultivate our wisdom to hold our own hand through the inevitable suffering of being alive, that's how we suffer less. Thich Nhat Hanh says, Sometimes we say, I didn't want to do it, but it's stronger than me. It pushed me. So that is a seed, a habit energy that may have come from many generations in the past. We can smile at our shortcomings, at our habit energy. With awareness, we have a choice. We can act another way. We can end the cycle of suffering right now. If you're a long-time listener of the show, you have heard me talk about the empowerment of choice over and over and over again. Choice is our empowerment, and empowerment is choice. This choice, it is a massive power in each of our lives to choose to grow wiser, to choose with more wisdom at every single moment. An unexamined life stays in habit energy. An examined life chooses. If we accept life and everything that belongs to life, the moments of happiness, joy, and peace, but also sickness, old age, and death, then we don't suffer anymore. So suffering is okay. Not only is suffering okay, but thanks to suffering, we have an opportunity to experience well-being. Here's another quote. All that is dear to me and everyone I love are of the nature to change. There is no way to escape being separated from them. I cannot keep anything. I come here empty-handed and I go empty-handed. I agree with this with every fiber of my being. We come into the world empty-handed and we leave empty-handed. We might go empty-handed, but wow, can we go full-hearted. If Thich Han can hear me right now, I want him to hear me say, thank you for loving me and so many. I love you and I intend to honor your teachings and keep passing them along. And in this way, You are always with me and you are always with us. Alive forever in spirit and wisdom. I want to thank you out there for listening. For this episode, you didn't just listen to what I read and what I shared and what I attempted to teach. You held space for my grief. This is how I grieve when I lose someone. When I lose somebody that's close to me. And when I lose somebody that I've only known through spiritual connection, I sit, I think about what they mean to me, what I've learned from them, what was beautiful, what was hard. I have so many memories of surrendering to my pain so many years ago, laying on the floor like a puddle, holding a Thich Han book those of you who are out there and are healers in your own right, not just for your own lives, but holding space for others. I want to thank you for all that you do in your own journey and your own work and all that you do for others. There's a butterfly effect of healing. All of you out there who attempt to be mindful, who attempt to shut down that inner critic, who do the uncomfortable, awkward work of reaching down, to meet your inner child, to grab his or her hand, to say, I've got you. I've got you maybe like no one else has ever had you before. I've got you and you will have me forever. Thank you. I'm glad to be on the planet with you. You are the change in the world. It's easy to forget how powerful we are as individuals. That is quite the power. Thank you for sharing this planet with me in this lifetime. If you want to come let us know and maybe hear your voice on the show, we now have an option where you can come to emotionalbadass.com. You can click the contact us tab and you'll see that there's a space where you can leave us a 90 second message. You can share with us how you've been growing, what you've been learning Maybe you'll share your favorite episode or a moment on the show that just gave you something that you needed. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, come find us at emotionalbadass.com under the contact tab. Me and the team, we get written messages, emails, social media messages from so many of you every single day. I'd love to be able to share what we get as a team with the world who listens to this show. So if you'd like to bravely share that, come find us, come share yourself. It's one thing when people hear it from me, when people hear it from you, I promise you it's more impactful. So I want to hear from you. I want to thank those of you who are on our Patreon. Our next live stream Q&A is on money, money mindset, our relationship with money, our struggles with money, our hang-ups about money. February's was love. If you're interested in that, we'd love to have you. Come find us at patreon.com backslash emotional badass. Thank you for holding space for me in my grief. Thank you for letting me honor one of my spiritual dads. Light and love. I'm an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. And together with Thich Hans wisdom... We are where Moxie meets Mindful. Light and love, and I will see you right here for a brand new episode next week. Bye-bye.
1: dot com.